0: Westchester Words, Education, EdTech, and Publishing. I'm Nicole Tomasi, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Rich Portalance, the founder and CEO of CareerPath. CareerPath is a platform that facilitates connections between students, schools, training programs, and employers, helping each to have visibility to the options that are available in their desired career or market. Rich, you've been a longtime partner of Westchester's, but this is your first time on Westchester Words. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Looking forward to uh, speaking with you.
0: Great to have you here today. So, how about we begin by having you tell listeners a bit about your professional background prior to starting Career Path?
1: So, um, I fell in love with uh, education and helping students um, when I uh, worked with a uh, secondary education school, private school. Uh, here in Connecticut. And um, uh, prior to that, I was in uh, agency work. So I worked in uh, helping our clients, most of them uh, big iron kind of companies like IBM and uh, pharmaceutical companies with technical projects that uh, would get them onto the web. So I was an early adopter of, of web technologies. And then uh, once I went to um, the private school, um, I was helping them with uh, getting online and, and uh, integrating social media. I was also an advisor to students, and and I, I really fell in love with that aspect of helping young people succeed. And I started to work with um, higher ed clients, um, and um, and really fell into career path as a way in which I could uh, bring my passion of helping students together with my uh, knowledge of. Um, of branding and technology. So uh, here I sit today with uh, CareerPath. That's
0: a great story. Businesses tend to be launched as a way to provide a new solution for an existing challenge or perhaps to meet a need within the market that's not currently being addressed. So what was the inspiration for you to start CareerPath?
1: So the inspiration came from one of my higher ed clients, actually, Valparaiso Law School. We were rebranding and and building some um, web tools for them. And they asked me to evaluate the career center. The challenge was that not enough students were visiting or completing the tasks necessary to be job ready. And law school is all about finding a job afterwards. And and the schools are are rated based on the job placement um, numbers. So we did an evaluation and um, they had a, a paper system, but the completion rate was anemic. So we said, let's, let's bring this into a modern day and, and put it on an app. And we did some cool things like compare those students to their cohort. So they knew that if 87% of their cohort was completing the activity and they hadn't done it, you know, it was a little bit of a kick in the pants to get going. From that exercise and launching that app for Valparaiso Law School, I think their completion rate went from 14% to 87% in the first year. And the walk-in rates at the uh, Career Center had tripled, so they were super happy with it. They wrote a white paper about uh, Volt, the Valparaiso online law tracker, and a couple months later, I got a call from Dartmouth uh, College who wanted to do something similar up there, and, and that really was the birth of Career Path.
0: Present day, you are a bit more in the K twelve space. What grade level does career path begin to get involved in introducing students to the tools that can help them look at potential careers?
1: We ended up migrating a bit. Um, you know, higher ed. There's there's definitely a need there, but it's very niche. Uh, what we found was there was a real need for students to learn earlier on about the opportunities that were out there, develop some agency and um, start to prepare themselves for what's next. And so over time, we ended up starting to work with high schools, we work with workforce agencies. Uh, I think the earliest application right now is seventh grade. Most of the applications are in the nine through 12 space. I would love to think that over time, CTE is introduced to students even earlier in the third, fourth grade, because students, um, you know, I think when they're aware, they make better decisions and they can start to plan.
0: We all remember when we were in our early years of school, how everybody had these ideas of they would be a firefighter or a nurse or a teacher. So kids are thinking about what they want to be when they grow up from a very young age. So I suppose it's never really too early for CTE, is it?
1: No, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of influence, to your point, uh, whether it's parents or aunts and uncles or teachers that influence young children in one direction. And I think for the past you know, number of years, we've been influencing our children very heavily to college. And, and I think this has done a service in one area, but a disservice to a lot of other students who may have been better off in non-college type programs. And so the earlier we can introduce it and the, the less stigma we can put on these kinds of careers, the better off our society is gonna be in these, these young people. you know, there's, there's terrific careers that don't need college degrees in business, trade, industry, health, agriculture, cybersecurity, everybody learns differently. And so we wanna present those things and provide the students with agency so they can make better choices and feel confident about those choices
0: you've developed relationships with program providers and companies who have jobs available within those career pathways for students who are completing these training programs. So how do you facilitate those connections?
1: We are uh, just launching a new program called Crossroads. It brings in and aggregates all local employers to a region. Career Path is about explore, discover, prepare, and launch. And so if they can explore Uh, all the local companies, what different um, industries they represent, what kind of jobs they have, what kind of skills are needed in order to competitively work in those environments, that's great for the student. And it's good for the companies because then we can provide some um, idea of the number of students who may have interest and who may have matching skills to the jobs they need. So we're trying to provide a better service to the employers so that they have an understanding of the um, potential number of incoming employees that they can look at um, from their region and for the students who can find the companies and start to prepare themselves for jobs and, and not necessarily always have to go away from home. There's a lot more locally than we know about if we um, can discover those things. And so we're trying to facilitate those uh, connections.
0: And do the companies come into uh, the schools or the training programs?
1: We found over time that when you introduce students, because they're so facile with digital technologies, if you introduce things on their phones or on their computers, they're more than likely to engage in one-to-one conversation or one-to-many conversation. We start with the digital technologies, get them comfortable. And then the students are more likely to talk to their career advisor. They're more likely to talk to a representative from a program or from a company and start to engage.
0: Companies are having such a difficult time finding employees in manufacturing and other industries. So I I could see where introducing students from a relatively earlier age of middle school and high school could close that gap a bit between the company's need for employees and the labor market.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right, Nicole. We've been approached, and some of the work that we do with groups like Michigan Works um, Southeast, which is in the Detroit area, or here in Connecticut at uh, Northwest Workforce Board, is uh, build specialty pipeline programs uh, for manufacturing or for cybersecurity so that they can start to identify opportunities and and, and workers for those areas and those companies in their region that. Are desperately looking for workers, and we're finding it in in, in these niche industries. Um, they don't know how to to make those connections. Fostering those connections, uh, you know, as I indicated earlier, takes what I I think is a long tail engagement plan. You can't just expect to for someone to come on Indeed or some other uh, job board and just find the company and go that um, you know kind of a hit or miss approach but if you engage the student on a continual basis over a long period of time you can introduce these ideas you can introduce these companies you can build awareness and we'll have a much higher success rate of both the student finding what they're looking for by matching their skills and what their aptitudes are and interests are with what the company needs. If we can build better matches, we do a couple things. One is we give the student um, success coming out of high school and building their credentials to get into a job that they like. And that's going to ensure that they stay longer. It's gonna cost the employer less money in training, you know, when they have that rollover, if someone coming in and not enjoying the job and leaves in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, there's a real cost to that. There was a, a, a statistic out there that said it was a $57 billion issue with um, having to rehire and retrain employees. If we can build uh, that uh, employee um, employer relationship for a longer period of time, a year plus two years, then we, we save the employer a tremendous amount of money. And we also give some stability to the employee. They're going to be a better citizen. They're going to be able to do more with the money that they're making. And if, if they're not just jumping into college and, and coming up with $40,000, $50,000 in debt, but instead making some money and, and making some better decisions, I think we we provide a valuable service for all those parties involved.
0: CTE programs have been available for high school students for decades. I've noticed in recent years there does seem to be more of a renewed interest. What do you think are some of the factors that are contributing to this?
1: I think the, there's two main factors. One is from the student side that people are becoming more acutely aware of the fact that uh, people are starting off life in debt because they either make bad decisions about Um, going into college and then quitting, but still having that debt to deal with. Or if they're getting into a college and then going through a program, graduating, but not getting a job that's commensurate with the amount of debt that they have to service, then they're still in that cycle for way too long. We've pushed so much higher education that everybody wants to get the white collar job. And there's a ton of other jobs available that are just not getting filled. So the employers have a huge need right now. I'm on the Connecticut um, Workforce Boards Council. I, I sit in on meetings and I listen in and, and I, I hear this here and, and elsewhere. I think this is a nationwide problem that uh, there's a huge need for cybersecurity talent. Um, and, and none of these necessarily need a, a college diploma, but what they need is specific training. So you can get into a six-month program to become a cybersecurity analyst with a high school degree. And then that certificate, you can go in and, and make 60, 70, $80,000 a year uh, fairly quickly. So there's a lot of great opportunities. The employers have the need to find uh, the talent that's willing. And the, um, the students are, I think, looking for better decision-making, getting into uh, careers that they're more comfortable with, and having less debt load to have to service. So I think those are the two big driving factors.
0: What do you find are some of the pathways that have the strongest workforce need or where the most opportunities are?
1: Absolutely. Um, Manufacturing is top of the list for sure. Healthcare has a huge need right now for entry-level talent. We have healthcare crises on our hands right now and hospitals, um, medical practices all need... Uh, people who have specific skills to jump on board. And then the trade, there's um, just a tremendous number of plumbers and electricians and and other tradesmen out there that are uh, getting close to retirement age, but very few that are just coming in. And so we have this chasm. I talked to a friend of mine who's a local uh, electrician and he said, I can get as much work as I ever want. There's only Two other electricians, and and we're all booked out solid for months. It's really a shame that there's no young people coming in because these are great careers. I mean, you can have your own company, uh, or you can work for somebody else, and you can make an excellent living. And you know, plumbing the same thing. So I think the trades really there's a high demand there. Manufacturing uh, these are advanced manufacturing jobs. It's not your old. Uh, manufacturing with um, you know grease and and dirty floors. These are high tech manufacturing with really incredible machines that are coming out. Connecticut has a ton of industry in the aerospace that um, you know they can use. I think uh, it's uh, electric boat was looking to hire 15,000 people over the next five years. That's a big number to fill. So it's going to take all our uh, high schools and all our savvy to figure out how to introduce these programs and and give students the opportunity. And and so they understand that they can go into one of these areas and find a a lot of success very early. The good thing about these things are, you know, you can do a a four or six month program, you can go in and and do it for a year or two. And if it's not for you, then the, the student can go on to college or if they want to augment what they've learned that opportunity is available. So it's kind of like a you know you can you take a gap year or two, go into a trade, and 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 then you can always shift. And you didn't do a disservice to yourself. But if you jump directly into college and you uh, get yourself in a big hole, it's much harder to fix that the problem that has occurred. So we're really trying to encourage students to look at these opportunities very seriously. and not give in to the stigma that these are, um, you know, poor jobs or, or non-serviceable. They're they're really um, incredible opportunities that are out there.
0: There's been increased funding through the Perkins Act and the American Rescue Plan that gave CTE providers more funding that they could use to further improve their programs, including things like teaching materials. Looking at it from your perspective, what do you think CTE program providers or these training schools should be thinking about when? they're developing or updating their curriculum?
1: It's a great question. Um, I think they need to be looking at um, uh, skills, skill matching and building more uh, digital technologies in line because there's only so much you can do from a um, interpersonal standpoint with these programs. The old way of doing it with workforce agencies, uh, you know, someone walks in the door, they're looking for a job and So the workforce agency makes some calls on behalf of the person, helps to get them into a training program. That paradigm, while it's not wrong, it's also outdated, outmoded. The new technologies and things that are coming out can really aid that whole process and automate it. There is a a massive data kind of uh, programs coming out where it used to be a couple of years ago, we'd we'd have uh, three or 400 uh, skills that we could match up. Uh, between the employee and the employer. Now there is uh, groups like MC Burning Glass that have over thirty thousand skills they've identified by scraping jobs and and starting to learn through AI what skills employers are looking for, so they can really specifically start to give us data to do some matching. So if a manufacturer is looking for a machinist. We can parse out that job description and say, okay. Here are the 28 skills that are embedded in that job description. And now we can, by working with the students early enough, we can understand where their uh, aptitude lies by giving them assessments, by asking questions, by seeing what classes they've taken and done. And so we can give them better instruction on which classes they might need to take to be a better match for that particular Opportunity. So we can start to put percentages to things and say, hey, you're a 74% match for that particular opportunity. Here are the two classes or the programs that you need in order to be a perfect match. And then when the time is right, we can bring those two parties together. So that's what's starting to occur. There's a huge shift that's going on. And um, we're trying to educate the workforce community that. There is a better way. It doesn't have to be done uh, just by word of mouth and and, and making calls any longer. It can be done in a more automated fashion so we can increase the numbers very rapidly.
0: And maybe I'm hearing something that wasn't in there, but it almost sounds like in a way like a, a personalized learning approach within these tools because each student is going to have a different level of aptitude and have completed different courses to match into the particular career pathways that they're looking for. Is that uh, accurate?
1: That's right on, uh, Nicole. What we're doing now is we're taking the um, the course guidebooks from schools and we're parsing that into our engines and starting to look at those courses and really understanding what skills are coming out. So we can do, we can personalize things for students. They can know, and I'd like to take these courses and this is how it's going to drive me towards my goals. Part of that also is giving the students agency. I mentioned that word earlier, and it's, it's so critical that we empower students. We're not just making decisions for them. If you look at what's happening in high schools, you have one counselor to five, six, 700 kids. That's an impossible number to reconcile. And I was actually on a a workforce call with a whole bunch of state representatives, and they were trying to get a goal number of down to 400 to one. That was the goal number. It, it's just impossible for one person to service 400 people effectively to be give that student agency so they can start to make better decisions for themselves. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're giving students tools like adding your own activities to your timeline so that you can start to journal where you want to go. And then as I talked about some of these automated skill building things and, and where we can start to help students match up those skills that they're developing to the job market, all that stuff together provides the agency for the student to make decisions When they do meet with their career advisor, they're prepared. Uh, You mentioned, you know, starting as early as possible. We think that's really important. Introducing some of these concepts and giving that student agency. And then we can start to uh, tailor the the learning mode to the student uh, more and more. And that's, I think, you know, in the future, we're going to see things um, start to come together where the schools are going to be able to provide more diversified learning programs for students as they become a little bit more automated. And it's not to say the teacher doesn't need to need to be in the classroom because those one-to-one connections are absolutely essential. But I think we can help to improve and help and aid the classroom through technology by um, giving that student some agency to explore stuff independently.
0: Rich, I want to thank you so much. This has been a really informative episode for me and, and hopefully for everybody listening out there.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Nicole. And it's really uh, great to get out there and talk to people about what we're doing and and what we see out there in the world of education and how it's it's changing. So uh, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Westchester Words. You can follow us on your favorite streaming platform to be notified about new episodes as they become available or to listen to previous episodes. You can find all of the episodes plus additional content that's been shared by some of our guests at the podcast pages of our websites, westchesterpublishingservices.com and westchestereducationservices.com. You can also get in touch with us either by completing the Contact Us form that's available on the homepage of each website or by sending us an email at westchesterwords at westchesteredsvcs.com To share your thoughts or comments about today's discussion and let us know what content you'd like to hear Westchester cover in future episodes. I hope you'll be able to join us for the next episode of Westchester Words when we'll be talking about another topic of interest for the education, edtech, and publishing communities. Until then, stay safe, be well, and stay tuned.